This week, on a very special episode of Tales to Admonish, I will do my best to teach our good friend Arthur the meaning of Christmas. Whether that's four woodland creatures singing bluegrass in a tree fort, or Santa's fight to the death with the demon known as Krampus. I promise to have Arthur jingling his bells all over Santa's lap by the end of the conversation. Say what? And of course, we're going to talk Hawkeye. Episode 4 just came out, and it's a damn good time. So join us on... Ho, 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 ho. Tales to Admonish. Christmas edition. (laughs) Jingle bells. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I love it. I love it. We've been doing this long enough now that we get to have a Christmas show. Oh, Christmas, y'all. Yuletide and all that jazz. Just give me the eggnog. Give me the eggnog up in this bitch. Oh, I think eggnog's disgusting. You like? Do you like eggnog? <laughs> do you drink eggnog, eggnog in California? It's not cold. Why would oh, you yeah. drink eggnog? Hey, man, it's nice to be cold to enjoy eggnog, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, it's just, you know, you know what it is? I don't like dairy and alcohol mixed together. I find that to be gross. And the people try you know, to do a lot of like that. Wide Russians? No, God, no. I mean, The Big Lebowski is <laughs> a great movie. It brought that drink back from the grave, but it could have stayed there. I just, milk and alcohol is gross. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, so I'm not oh, doing a lot of milk anyway. I used to work at Starbucks and um, I would see these people come in and order these giant glasses of milk in the middle of August. And it was just disgusting to me. They're probably, they're probably, they're probably from the Midwest or something. Oh, yeah, no, this like- is right here in New York, man. <laughs> but, um, but I like a lot of the other like uh, seasonal beverages. Hot chocolate is cool. You know, you just got to take oh, yeah. a lactose pill so that I can drink it. But the alcohol milk, no good. Yeah. You can't go wrong with chocolate milk. I don't know. First of all, you know, I'm a I'm a huge word nerd, so the word nog is not a word that you hear <laughs> all year. So anytime that word would it's come fun, around it's again, it's fun to say. <laughs> yeah, the nog. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it doesn't it doesn't hurt that it's attached to something that's like, you know, really deeply satisfying to drink. Like this very thick I've always liked milk and stuff. I don't really drink it that much anymore. But like I just had so many great experiences with milk and cake and milk and cookies and and then you get this super viscous nog going down your throat. <laughs> it's like watching a room full of people drink pancake batter. Fuck that. No, no. I'm good on that. I'm good on that. I love a good No, give me nog. pumpkin pie and, you know, uh, I, and I make Christmas cookies every year. God love the Christmas cookies, but mm-hmm. not, you know, fuck the nog. I'm not down with the nog. But it's a classic. It's a staple and I won't deny anybody their nog at the at the Christmas time of year. But for me, that's not what Christmas is all about. And I am I'm super into Christmas. I I wasn't mm-hmm. really super into Christmas when I was a kid, but now as an adult I'm definitely much more into it. Yeah, I mean, for me, like many things in my childhood, like so many, so much stuff is vicarious because like I had to watch it on TV because I, I didn't really grow up having a, like a really you know sappy loving family situation. <laughs> Jesus, you know, yeah. So like I, you know, like I, I would, I would experience it even through my the comic strips. Like I used to love the Christmas strips of Calvin and Hobbes. Oh my God. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and, and and also for better or, and for worse, mm-hmm. just 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 any of the strips dur- during Christmas are so great. And then, like, then, like, on TGIF, watching Christmas at the Winslow House. Oh my God, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to start crying because it just did, didn't mirror what I was dealing with at the time. Right, so, right. It wasn't the same as yeah. same thing with like Home Alone and you know just having all of those uh, experiential Christmases through media. Yeah, you know, that's that was my bag. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, we talked about it earlier, and we kicked around the idea of doing a Christmas episode. You know, one of the things that came up was that maybe you don't embrace Christmas as much as you might because so much of what people like about Christmas and is, is uh, experiential about Christmas for them is related to their childhood. And if you don't have those formative memories embracing a particular movie or a particular song or a particular feeling around the season, then it's tough to then later in life find that nostalgia because it just isn't there. And all of your nostalgia is through media. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I would like to agree with that. I mean, most of my experiences were through media. That's why I had so many identity issues growing up and still do to this day. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but there's, I mean, there's nothing like that sort of cheer, anything that kind of cuts through American cynicism. You know, and it's, and it's usually our holidays, you know. Well, that's like, the thing however, I love about Christmas, too, is however, that it cuts however, through that cynicism. Yeah, however vapid our holidays are, you know, and capitalistic and what what have you, there's still there's still there's still like oh, there's a lot of beauty just with the songs and the cheer and everyone kind of doing the same thing at home. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you know everyone's not you not you know everyone's not doing it because there's plenty of people going to Chinese restaurants. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Holidays. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, Rachel's family's tradition is to order Chinese food on Christmas Eve. That's there because everyone's so busy that you don't really have time to cook unless it's like you. It's one of two things. It's either the meal you make is the biggest, most elaborate meal you might make all year, or it's fucking. It, mm-hmm. Let's get some Chinese food. We've been wrapping presents for the last three hours. It's really right. there's no in between. Nobody's like just making fajitas on Christmas Eve. <laughs> But like, that's why I, I wonder, you know, if you had those experiences that, you know, that you don't embrace it more. You were saying like, there's, there's, you don't, you don't have a lot of Christmas. You don't have a Christmas tree. You don't, you don't put up any decorations of any kind, if I'm to understand that correctly. Well, the thing is, I've, I've also, also worked in events of, of like for holidays and just per parties for the past 15 years. So I'm usually always working on a holiday. Are so you, I, are you I Black mean, Santa or what are you doing on the holidays? Yeah, yeah, I'm Black Santa often. <laughs> <laughs> I was a uh, Black Santa for Beyonce and Jay Z one time. Oh for shit! Kid, uh, for Blue Ivy, oh, it was shit. great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Beyonce was great. Blue Ivy was amazing, and um, I just was too intimidated to go with the Jay Z because you know he was a gangster and Marcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt I felt like I wasn't worthy. <laughs> <laughs> Go going up to Jay Z in my Santa costume. Yeah, right. Hello, Jay Z. He'd be like, <laughs> No, see, oh, see, that's a total oh, missed opportunity. Oh, oh. you go meet him and you refuse to break character. That's what you should have fucking done. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's what I had to do. But like, it would have been so corny and cheesy. I'd be like, I, I even thought of the per- most perfect thing to, to say. I was just like, Jay Z, I couldn't even conceive of a of a gift better than four forty four. <laughs> and I just pictured, I just pictured him saying, "Go back to the kids." Oh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. But Beyonce, Beyonce was great. Uh, everyone was great. Kelly Rowland was there. She was amazing. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, but I also do like Santa for foster kids. Well, that's killer. I mean, um, come on, man, that's doing the Lord's work right there. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, like other than that. You know, like I said, I'm usually working holidays, so God get you. It's, I'm it's, gonna mail you a fucking Christmas tree. It ain't right. It ain't right. <laughs> no, it's fine, bro. You know, like I, you know, the the thing is, like, what was tough though is like, you know, seeing my daughter. You know, because I get her, I get, I got her everything that she wanted, but like the Christmas experience wasn't at the house. You know, and uh, we just kind of got used to it now. Cause she gets like she just gets gifts sporadically throughout the month. I don't wait till Christmas morning. So, like said, so you're she, Jewish. She use this right now. <laughs> so you celebrate Hanukkah. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. Uh, uh, a very ignorant Hanukkah. You, Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, Rod Carew. That's it, man. Coo-coo, We're just coo-coo, three black babe. dudes celebrating Hanukkah. Hey babe. Hey babe. This is great, babe. <laughs> oh yeah. But it's the anticipation. It's it's the anticipation. It's that's what Christmas is. It's I don't know. I mean, I guess you could just give your kids your presents anytime you want. And you said she gets the whole like more quintessential Christmas experience at her mother's house. Yeah, she gets it over there, you know. So like that takes off a lot of the weight. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. I, I think I might have to go to therapy. so yeah so you're not anti-christmas but like you're just you're just not doing it (laughs) well there's some parts of christmas i don't like i just i don't like the idea that i have to give the credit to some big fat white dude 
you know, <laughs> like a, he doesn't have to be white. <laughs> he doesn't have to be white. I mean, but he's 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 usually known as a white dude. He's a big old okay. fat white dude. All right, so you're tired of <laughs> giving him credit? Just like, yo, I bought you this laptop, baby. That's right. No, That's no, no. Right. And this is the thing I think that you have to that a lot of parents have to keep in mind. I think that the tradition for Santa should be that a small modest gift is from Santa Claus, and yeah. everything else is from your parents. That's not that's not how it was always told to me. You'd be like you see the shitty ass rich kid in your class who got a fucking switch and like you were good all year, but your parents are <laughs> poor, so you ain't get one. Yeah. And so then you're just thinking that Santa Claus is is fucked up. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's Ugh. true. So I, I agree that I hate the commercialism aspect of it and I hate the competitive aspect of it, but I, I love the media. I love the media and so much of that is born out of my childhood. So I'm going to date myself a little bit here because all of my mm -hmm. favorite shit is the old shit. Boris Karloff's mm -hmm. Grinch, you know, uh, Rankin and Bass doing uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Frosty animated mm -hmm. movie, a Charlie Brown's yeah. Christmas, a Christmas story. Like, Oh my God. Those oh are my, my jams. God. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was Charlie Brown uh, in high school. So like, you know, all those definitely all those cartoons. Um, let me let me say more context. I was Charlie Brown in a play in high school. You're just living your life as you said you had identity issues. You're like, that was that year I lived as Charlie Brown. <laughs> uh, so all I have to say is just 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 like all the other strips that had Christmas strips, like you know, watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special or Halloween special every year was always great. When Grinch or any of those things that came on, that was just, I was just loving all of that up, you know? Oh, me too. The oh Charlie God. Brown Christmas, Christmas thing. time is here. Do you know that uh, <laughs> uh, Schultz really didn't care for the, the Vince Guaraldi uh, soundtrack? He really wasn't very much into the jazz soundtrack for it. He, he didn't think it fit the special, but, you know, time has proven that, you know, he isn't right about everything, although Peanuts was a masterpiece, but... When I was a kid, mm -hmm. and even now to a certain degree, my favorite part of that special was when Linus basically comes out and shuts everybody up and goes through the true meaning of Christmas as it's represented to, to Christians. Because, you know, for what's worth, I grew up very churchy. We spent a lot of time in church. I was in youth group. I was, we, we did a lot of mm -hmm. church stuff. And so the commercialism of the holiday gets to me, I think maybe even just a little bit more because like the quote unquote, for someone who's Christian like me, true meaning of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ's birth and blah, 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 and all that, that sort of stuff, it rings a bell when you get that moment where Linus just quiets the cacophony of stupidity with just the truth. And so I always really had a soft spot in my heart for, for that particular one. And But the best one, the best special of all, you haven't seen it yet, even though I sent it to you, is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, directed by Jim motherfucking Henson. 1977 <laughs> there are people listening to this podcast you're like emmett otters what the fuck what the yes exactly right emmett otters jug band christmas it is a musical muppet movie it was the proof of concept for the muppet movie in 1979 mm. and then later on the muppet caper in 81 so this was jim henson basically getting a little bit of money doing about 45 minutes and it's a musical and it's all like country Ozarks quality fucking bluegrass. And it's crazy. All the music's written by Paul Williams, who uh, wrote the rainbow connection, which you could do nothing else your entire life. At that, that's all you need to do. The lovers, the dreamers and me. You do a good, you do a good curve. It, you really do. <laughs> uh, but he's also the penguin in the Batman animated series, which is crazy. He does a lot of voice work and he does a lot of DC voice work, but the music in it, it's old-timey bluegrass music. I get it. What you have to do is you have to watch this thing as a time capsule. And I just remember as a kid, you get these four woodland creatures who come together to form a band and compete in a talent contest to win money to buy Christmas presents. And they have to go up against the Riverbottom Nightmare Band, which is like this glam rock 80s freaking in the 70s band uh headed up by a bear that looks like he could be in kiss or something the whole thing's insanity and beautiful and wonderful but that's that's my favorite like classic christmas movie for me what's yours 
classic. Let's see. I mean, if we're talking about super classic, you know, I, I always go Christmas story because it's just so great. <laughs> it's so funny. And they always run the <laughs> marathon on Christmas Day. So, like, it's just you could just put that shit on the background for the whole damn day. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> you got to put your eye out, kid. Do you know the kid <laughs> from that went on to become like a porn actor or something? The kid? I thought he became a lawyer. No, 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 I'm no, no. I'm sorry. About, I'm sorry. Not I'm, him. I'm not him. Chunk. It's the kid who gets his tongue stuck to the pole. Oh, you know what? I actually met him at a bar. Because <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> he, 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 he did that uh, Postal movie with, uh, uh, wow, what's that, what's that uh, German director that did a bunch of bad movies? Um, Uwe Boll. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I talked to him. So he he does porn too. Because he, he was did still one doing movies for a while. He did one adult film, as I understand it, because he needed the money. <laughs> wow, man. Oh yeah, but that's oh, that's God. a that's a classic. That's not that's not the only place he got his tongue stuck in. Oh. <laughs> and now we get the little e on the corner of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, those are classics. Those are absolute, absolute classics. I mean, of course, the Peanuts one. Frosty. Frosty the oh, Snowman yeah. is amazing. What's really funny about that is that Frosty the Snowman, for most of us who are 30 or older, is voiced by a guy named Jackie Vernon. Even if you don't know who he is, you know his voice. He's Frosty the fucking Snowman. And years later, mm -hmm. he would go on to do a, a terrible, terrible horror movie called Microwave Massacre. And he says the most incredibly fucked up shit in this movie. And I just would sit back and watch this movie with my eyes closed and him talking about murdering his wife and microwaving her body in Frosty the Snowman's freaking voice is one of the most oh surreal God. experiences you'll ever have. Because if you grew up every year. That was Frosty the Snowman. Jackie Vernon is Frosty the Snowman. As much as Burl Ives and Mariah Carey are the voice of Christmas. Jackie Vernon mm -hmm. will forever be Frosty the Snowman. So watching Microwave Massacre with him as the main, you know, protagonist, fucking hysterical. So go watch all that stuff. Uh, for modern mm -hmm. stuff, I mean, I think the quintessential classic modern Christmas movie for me anyway is Elf. That's one of the only ones I really, I don't sit down and watch the Christmas Chronicles, although freaking Kurt Russell is stunning. He's like, he looks like, like the most badass Santa Claus. I want like a Santa Claus action movie starring Kurt Russell in the worst way. Just looking at the Netflix mm -hmm. teaser screens for the Christmas Chronicles. But I'm not usually one for something like that's overtly Christmas. I like stuff that's wacky happening around Christmas. So like the Friday after next to me is the perfect background Christmas movie. Mm. I love the Friday. Did you, see, after next. Uh, did you see Adam Sandler's eight crazy nights, eight crazy nights, Rachel and Melissa and I were just talking about that the other night because, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of overtly Hanukkah themed popular culture stuff. And I really thought that eight crazy nights, like it had such a, a beautiful Don Bluth feel and it's really mm -hmm. earnest. And I, I really enjoy eight crazy nights. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's yeah. you know fun to shit on it, and I think people you know Adam Sandler and all that, but I think it's fucking great. Oh yeah, I've, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. Oh, you saw like, it in theaters? That's cool. I bet that looked great, all big, and you know, like everything's so warm in that. It really feels mm -hmm. like 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 Don Bluth. I don't know if Don Bluth produced it, but it fucking damn it doesn't look like it. It, it. I love it. It's that's a fantastic one. Every time my Christmas stuff, I have to rattle off a couple of. Uh, first of all, Just Friends Just with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds uh, and Amy Smart and Anna Faris. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a movie where Christmas is definitely just in the background. Sure, sure. And it's not just about Christmas. Um, and uh, I kind of like those because it's just it's just kind of like a novelty in the movie. It's the same thing with the Shane Black movies with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Where it just provides and a setting. All of his movies have that Christmas setting to it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Now you had mentioned oh, that yeah. you also kind of enjoyed the Santa Claus movies. I I wasn't I wasn't into those. Yeah, I was um like fourteen, thirteen at the time. Okay, that makes sense. And 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 I I wasn't I just was enjoying those because you know like Tim Burton was huge at that point. Like you mean Tim Allen? Yeah, uh, Tim Allen. What did I say? Tim Burton. <laughs> 
Tim Burton. I wish bro. Tim Burton had made the Santa Claus. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Tim uh, Burton presents the Santa Claus. <laughs> no, no, Tim, Tim Allen, yo, uh, what a Freudian slip. Uh, yeah, Tim, Tim Allen uh, was huge as Buzz Lightyear and Home Improvement. So true, true. I was definitely following whatever he was doing at the time, and those just those movies. Uh, it also had uh, David Krumholtz in it. <laughs> I, I I love David Krumholtz ever since Life with Mikey with Michael J. Fox. Oh yeah. Had, oh, and you know what? It has a Christmas bent to it too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and and also, oh I'm gonna bring it all the way around because he's also in Harold in all the Harold and Kumar movies, and he's in Harold and Kumar three, uh, a very Harold and Kumar Christmas, which I fucking love. Oh yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's amazing. And then when he converts to Christianity and he adopts a child and names him Christian. <laughs> <laughs> And they decide they're going to use uh, him as bait to lure the bishops and priests out of the Catholic Church. Oh my God! I only seen I only seen that once. I have, what? I have no memory of it. Like I always watch the original over and over again. I want to get a hold of a three D television so I can actually watch it in three D. <laughs> I don't know. They they made the last three D TV ever in two thousand and sixteen, and I know Rachel's folks have one, but like. When you see all the deliberate 3D shots in a very Harold and Kumar Christmas and the whole scene with NPH doing a musical number and all of the forced perspective, mm-hmm. I want to see that shit in 3D, but I love that as a Christmas movie. <laughs> Danny Trejo, come on. You get John Cho and Danny Trejo going at it in a movie. That's good fun. Oh, heck yeah, man. And then Die Hard. Good times. Where, do you, where do you stand on Is Die Hard a Christmas Movie? Well, yeah, I mean, it, again, it has Christmas in it. Okay, now, now, uh, um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis says that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Well, uh, who cares what Bruce Willis says? Okay, that's fair. I like, like it. He doesn't even. He doesn't even like being in movies. He made Hudson Hawk. <laughs> he doesn't get to talk anymore. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean I don't like what he no, does. No, no, I know. I'm like, just he's, teasing. He's, that guy is grumpy as hell. He is grumpy, <laughs> but like that's a Christmas movie. Gremlins, of course, is a Christmas movie. Uh, amazing, amazing, quintessential Christmas movie, Gremlins. And oh, yeah, man. One of the first Christmas horror movies. I was talking to my sister about it, and I was like, yeah, Gremlins is a Christmas horror movie. And she goes, it's not a horror movie. I'm like, a woman gets ejected through her chimney in an electric chair. They shove a gremlin in a blender. They claw what's his name's face open. They put one in a microwave. Like there's so what what is it? What is it if it's not horror? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely a horror movie. (laughs) It's it's a meat. It's a meat cute. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, yes, Gizmo is adorable, and we all sort of like gloss over some of that stuff. But when nice, Uh, I love (laughs) Howie Mandel always says he was like, "You want to know the secret to being successful in Hollywood?" He goes, "Gizmo." Scooter and Skeeter and uh, one other character he named. He was like all the same voice. Bobby. That's it. Bobby. Bobby all Bobby the same Zero. voice. Yeah. <laughs> so get paid for those. But yeah, that's definitely a Christmas horror movie. And I, I love Christmas horror is my favorite kind of Christmas movie because I love horror movies and I've you know worked in the Halloween industry and I love that shit so much. Oh, yeah. And I love the juxtaposition of the happiest time of the year because you get this upbeat major key seasonal music. That's always about feeling good while somebody's hacking zombies to pieces or fighting for their life. And I love, I just find all of that so ripe for comedy and so ripe for like juxtaposition that I, I absolutely live for horror comedy uh, Christmas stuff. And I was watching a bunch of it. My brother came into town a couple of days ago. We did like a little mini marathon and we busted through like five movies in two days. It was great. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, I remember on, um, on Babylon, uh, Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith were talking about the most wonderful time of the year song. And he pointed out something in the song that is just like, what? <laughs> when it's like, <laughs> there'll be parties for hosting marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow. 
There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of glories. What? <laughs> scary ghost stories. Why are there ghost stories? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's well, in the know, song. I mean, look at A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I know. It's essentially an entire, the whole thing's a ghost story. But, but how many how many ghost stories are you telling on Christmas? That's like, that's like <laughs> one story that's a ghost story. <laughs> well, it's because we forgot... We forgot about the joy of Krampus, where it wasn't just about good kids getting presents. It was about bad children being punished. Look at the parade of Krampus in Germany and how the Krampus thing took over and um, took over a lot of pop culture key, in America. Key thing you said, key thing you said, Germany. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> they, come on, they've relaxed a lot in the last 80 years. Give them a break. Dick! <laughs> <laughs> that's not the, you know it's just an angry sounding language that could be something beautiful yeah. that could be like happy birthday no, you don't know. that means i love you <laughs> yeah but i love what i love from them is that they gave us krampus because i love that shit mm -hmm. i have krampus stockings i've got krampus ornaments mm -hmm. and i love the idea of beating bad children i think you should hit <laughs> wicked children <laughs> No, good children don't get hit, but wicked children get beat with rods and canes, <laughs> according to Krampus, and tossed in a fucking sack. You said that really quick. According to Krampus. <laughs> according to Krampus. I, I would never hit. I don't own any children, so I can't hit any children unless they attack you. If it's like an omen situation, then you, then you hit kids. But oh, God. in most normal life situations, don't hit children. But Krampus, Krampus do what the fuck he wants. <laughs> and uh, the movie is great. I love that movie. Tony Coletti and Adam Scott and uh, David Kirkner. Um, Keckner, David Keckner. You're the only one I ever know who pronounces that correctly. But those guys are great in Krampus. And that really was like, that was a mainstream hit when he came out. I saw that in theaters mm -hmm. and like that did really, really well. I remember. Um, but I like a lot of the, I, I like a lot of the more like weird, obscure stuff. Although you, you got to give it up to the classics like Silent Night, Deadly Night, which they made five of them, but only the first two. And they're fucking insane. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, basically a kid, his parents get murdered by Santa Claus. And so he grows up with this aversion to Christmas. He gets a job at a toy store around Christmas. He has a psychological break, dresses up as Santa Claus and starts killing a bunch of people. Awesome. Perfect. And then the the sequel, which was like, fuck, we, we, we got all this extra footage from the first movie. We'll splice that into flashbacks and we'll make that dude's little brother the next murderous Santa Claus. And it's <laughs> that's fucking hysterical, too. The funniest freaking Christmas horror movie there is, though, has got to be Santa's sleigh, hands down. Mm -hmm. The wrestler Bill Goldberg. Now, you've never seen this, right? Which, which one? You've never seen... It's called Santa Slay, and it stars Bill Goldberg as a murderous Santa Claus. I remember, I remember the poster for it. Okay, so even if you don't want to sit down and watch this whole movie, you must watch the first five minutes. The first five minutes is Bill Goldberg dressed as Santa Claus murdering a family dinner where you have a bunch of shitty socialite family members. They are played by James Caan, Fran Drescher, uh, the the what's his name from Saturday Night Live, Night at the Roxbury, the shorter of the two guys, oh, not Will Chris Ferrell, Kattan. Chris Kattan, Chris Kattan, uh, the Noxima girl, and uh, somebody else. And in any event, Goldberg mercilessly just works his way through this family. He stabs James Caan, Oscar winner James Caan, in the hands with turkey forks, and then uh, murders him. It's it's the craziest thing. It's so, so, so crazy. And I love it so much. Um, he goes to a Jewish deli and kills the deli owner with a menorah. Oh, God. Uh, which, you know, staying on, staying on theme, which is fun. <laughs> but it's a lot of the other acting in it is a little, it has a whole claymation fucking sequence that it goes into. There's no describing the insanity that is this movie. So Santa's sleigh. 2005, Bill Goldberg. Mm -hmm. It's the fucking, fucking best. That is the funniest <laughs> shit. Cadaver Christmas is also hysterical. I love that, love that, um, love that title. The title is amazing, and it's this is a really low-budget Christmas horror movie, but the writing is excellent, and that's what saves it. The dialogue is hysterical through the whole movie. There's just one scene where a guy gets injured in a zombie attack, 
and there's a dude who's been fighting off zombies the whole day and he he's been wiping all through the movies wiping blood off of him with this rag in his pocket so the guy's been bit and they need to stop the bleeding he gives him the rag and they tie up the wound a little bit later on, he kills another zombie, gets blood on his face, pulls a perfectly clean, folded neckerchief out of his pocket, unfolds it, and wipes his face down. And the dude who's got the wound is like, wait, you had a clean one? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got this filthy zombie blood-covered rag stopping his bleeding, and like this dude pulls out a perfectly fresh handkerchief and wipes zombie blood off his face. It's just like all tongue in cheek, like weird little jokes like that. And it's a hysterical movie, but it does have the best title ever. Mm. Um, and then Netflix put out, you know, uh, Better Watch Out, which was has a great twist at the end and really was a nice addition to the current horror genre. And then Black Christmas, which was one of the first slashers. I mean, it actually predates Halloween and was Margot Kitty's first major motion picture. Margot Kidder. And. I'm sorry, Margot Kidder's first major motion picture role. And I actually saw this at a live hosted showing at the Alamo draft house with Joe Bob Briggs and it holds up. It's, it's great. A lot, you know, by current standards, it's a little slow, but it's, it's a hundred percent Christmas. Have you ever seen any of the black Christmases? No, I just remember them. You, you definitely seen a lot more of these than I have. Ah, oh, well, you know me, I'm a, I'm a horror movie completist. Mm. I I love all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I was trying to watch. There's a really well-regarded one. It's a Finnish movie called Rare Exports. And it's about basically Santa Claus being evil. He was frozen in ice. They inadvertently let him out. And he attacks a small Finnish town. And I was trying to do a bunch of things at once. So I couldn't quite watch the subtitles. And there's no dubbed version of it. So I didn't get through it. But I've heard wonderful things about it and I've been meaning to watch it. It's just usually I'm trying to do two things at once, but there's so much good stuff. You got to watch this stuff and you got to watch the stuff I sent you. Mm -hmm. Emmett Otter. Watch that shit. A couple other honorable mentions. The Ginger Dead Man starring (laughs) Gary fucking Busey. Oh God. Gary Busey. Gary Busey. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) During one of his especially low points, of which he's had a couple. And he took the job as the murderous, sentient gingerbread man, the ginger dead man. Uh, he only voiced the first one because there's like nine of these out there. Don't think in that this was became Gary Busey's next Paris passion project. It, it wasn't. But he did the first one, and it's fucking madness. Uh, Jack Frost, which is amazing because there was also that uh, Michael Keaton family movie called Jack Frost which I'm sure creates a lot of confusion on streaming night <laughs> because the Jack Frost horror movie is about a serial killer who through a, a scientific experiment gets merged with a snowman and then can <laughs> attack people as a murderous snowman. The funniest shit though, is that this was clearly filmed in California and there's all this cotton snow that it looks like they just move around. By the end of the movie, it's just getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. There's like no money to make this fucking thing. And they can only afford so much fake snow. And you watch this stuff just get filthier as the movie gets on. It's fucking hysterical. But it, that's one of those so bad it's good things. Don't go into that looking for a quality movie. It's, it's just insane. It's not a, it's not a quality movie. But yeah, those are definitely some of my um, shout outs. Oh, and A Christmas Horror Story. That's a Christmas horror movie starring uh, Bill Shatner. Mm. And it ends, the whole movie ends with uh, Santa Claus dueling Krampus to the death after he's killed an army of zombified uh, Christmas elves. But (laughs) Bill Shatner, it's an anthology. It's an anthology movie, which I love. And um, Shatner does the turnaround. So he does this bit where he's a radio announcer doing a, a, an evening show, you know, spinning records on Christmas Eve. And he cuts between all the different segments and he's freaking hysterically gets drunker as the night goes on. And uh, he has a whole existential crisis. What does Christmas even mean? <laughs> Why do we do it? Is it about the presence? He's just so good. I, can't, I do an awful Shatner, so fuck me. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. But A Christmas Horror Story is quickly becoming like one of those cult classics. It got no love when it came out, and I have the Blu-ray. I fucking love this thing. 
And Shatner saying Merry fucking Christmas is like a gif I use every year. And I, I fucking, I live for this movie, but that's my, that's my Christmas horror movie rundown. So if you listen to this episode and you're like, fuck, I didn't have a pen and paper. I will list all of the different movies that we've talked about in the little blurb that accompanies every episode so that you can go back and write them down and, uh, and find some good, weird Christmas shit. Perfect. I love my Christmas shit with a slice of weird. Like even the music, you know, a soul Christmas is when I want to have good Christmas. Like if I have company over, it's nice. Put on soul Christmas. But if I'm just like cooking and bopping around the kitchen, surf rock Christmas. Oh yeah. Surf rock Christmas, the ventures, low straight jackets. I put on those Christmas albums. There's no vocals. You can let them go around in circles all day. Like I love Christmas music. I really, really do. I think it's some of the best written shit. Some of the catchiest little songs. Yeah, I, I, I listen to Christmas songs throughout the year. Uh, Amy Mann, she's one of my favorite uh, songstresses. Mm-hmm. And her version of Christmas Time, I, I, I listen to it all year. I love that song. Oh, God. It's, nice. It's great. I love, no, but the best, the, we're going to tell you right now, the best Christmas song, the best Christmas song is Donny Hathaway, This Christmas. And this Christmas will be... Very special Christmas for me. And I love that the song is over. It's a fucking six minute song. And like five and a half minutes in, they do like, oh, it's the end of the song. It fades out, fades out. That was a good song. And then all of a sudden it fades right back into the freaking like the band jamming out on the freaking turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> like you thought this song was over. You got another 20 seconds of just the band doing the freaking turn. <laughs> and then it's over. And it's just like, it even has a fake out at the end of it. What you thought Christmas was over? Oh, we back. <laughs> That's one of the best. And then the funniest, the funniest fucking shit is Rachel and I have like the worst. And this is again, like we said last time, this is a safe space, this podcast to be terrible. So I'm going to take the opportunity. Uh, but, but Rachel has, and I have the funniest tradition, which is whenever we hear the Jackson five do, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. When the song ends, we have to plead with Michael not to tell Joe Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> So the song ends, you know, he sings, I saw mommy's kids. He said, said, I did, I did see him and I'm going to tell my dad. And that's the last line of the song. And Rachel and I, it doesn't matter where we are in the kitchen or in the living room, what we're doing, shout out, Michael, no, no, don't tell him. Don't tell him. He will lose his mind. Michael, don't do it. It's like all the other Jackson kids are like, please, Michael, don't tell him. He was in Michigan. Okay, it wasn't him. Don't tell him. He was out on a road gig. You're going to get us killed, Michael? No. And like, I'll just be like listening and it'll be on the background and it'll play. And then Rachel just yell from the other room, Michael, no. (laughs) So safe space to be awful people. Child abuse is not funny. And if you know anyone that's abusing a child, call the authorities or get them help. Uh, But in this one instance, knowing what we know about Joe Jackson, we can try and laugh a little bit in retrospect, but it's still terrible, still terrible. But like I said, safe space where we can be a little bit awful. (laughs) Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Please don't fucking cancel me. (laughs) Well, we talked about that last time. We were talking about how sometimes you can take things out of context and they sound awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, the love of God, the previous episode is called So Many Orphans. Yeah, this, just this morning I was telling you how I was rearing my daughter. <laughs> and I should have <laughs> provided more context for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just an odd response to what are you doing this morning? What have you been up to this morning? Oh, you know, I talked to Fatma for a little bit and I did this and I was working on this thing. I was rearing my daughter. And I was like, <laughs> is that an active verb? Like... <laughs> Like, like, is it that a few hours out of the day and the rest of the day she's raised by fucking wolves? Like, <laughs> what's the statute of limitations on rearing your daughter? And you're, and you're like, don't say it like that. Like, you're the one you could have said raising. You could have said I was busy or disciplining or, or, well, yeah, or whatever the, you do or same, whatever you do. But rearing thing. was a weird fucking word. It's an odd use of the word. That's a long-term <laughs> verb. You know, that's like, it's, you know, I have no idea. It just sounded weird. This context is fucking everything. Context is everything. Oh yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad you're you're uh, you're you're parenting. You know, in the mornings, which is which is nice. I think you might be a better parent if you got a fucking Christmas tree and put up in your house, and then you could be like, <laughs> "Hey, baby, it's great." Like, if you don't love Christmas for you, love Christmas for your daughter. I love that part of it. One of my favorite things is to be the guy who's like overly excited about Christmas just to fuck with you. <laughs> like people come in and they're like, oh, Christmas is okay. And I'm like, fuck that shit. Christmas is the fucking best. Have you seen Emmett Otter? <laughs> I have two Christmas trees. I'm putting lights up. I got lights on my gutter. I bake cookies. I do the whole thing. Cause it's about, it's about making the season special for the mm. people around you. We talk about all these movies and all these music and, all, all, all this music and all these things we enjoyed when we were children. And we just want to share them with the, the people we love and use them to make what little time we have on this planet special. And that's, that's what Christmas is all about. So if I leave you with any message, it's to say that get super into Christmas, if only just to embarrass your daughter. <laughs> that's the meaning of Christmas. Be overly enthusiastic. And then years later, years later, she'll remember how you, you embarrassed her and she'll smile. Mm. <laughs> well, that's smile I, guess. <laughs> I feel like Linus. And that's the meaning of Christmas. Uh, I love Linus. It's so f weird that Schultz felt that way about that song. That, that, that show and strip has always been rooted with melancholy. And that, that if you're doing a Christmas song, like, what's a what's a better Christmas song that's like a ch children choir that sounds like very somber? He just didn't like jazz. He didn't like he didn't like the Vince Guaraldi trio as a choice. He just didn't like jazz music. Yeah. Oh well, there's no accounting for taste. There's no accounting for taste, but it's still a classic. And I think that um, you know you can celebrate Christmas however you like. You don't have to have a goddamn Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have Christmas decorations if you don't have time for it. Mm -hmm. But you know, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll send you a wreath or something. Fuck. <laughs> well, gentle listener, I don't know that we we've instilled uh, you know the spirit of Christmas into Arthur, but um, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hawkeye. Yeah, all right. Marvel shit. Hawkeye. Again, Christmas. Has Hawkeye instilled you with the spirit of Christmas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> episode four just came out, and it was it was kind of a slow episode, I think. Maybe a little bit. A little bit of a slow episode. We're, we're getting from somewhere to somewhere. It's a perfect middle episode, you know, especially since, like, there is a Christmas theme for it. You get, you get like, a, a bit of the Christmas part in there, you know? And it, and it didn't feel inorganic, you know. That's like some of the, some of the best stuff about uh, having both of those two actors. Like mm -hmm. it just, you know, it, there's that moment where um, Haley is uh, looking at her her you know her new soon to be stepdad. I don't know if they got married yet. Uh, yeah, they haven't got married yet. No, no, so her soon to be no. stepdad and. And he's just this charming guy and just talking about like kind of family stuff, you know, and it, it, it caused her to soften a little bit. And, you know, it just it made her you know, she's already sympathetic uh, about Hawkeye's situation already. So, like, I just thought that was a beautiful moment to like for them to like, <laughs> we're going to have a little we have a little bit of time for both. <laughs> Put this on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like, you know, like they get to do have the Christmas aesthetic while trying to figure out their plans. <laughs> I thought, that was, I thought that was fun. Well, yeah, she she tries to bring him the things that he missed out on in his family. So here's an ugly sweater and yeah. here's some Christmas movies. And we're going to do that all here. Because I think, I think they want us to start to see an emotional connection. We've seen them do things together and play off each other and be antagonistic. But we have to watch their relationship grow if we're going to feel stakes later on when yeah. one or the other comes into danger. Yeah. Yeah, that so. scene did that really nicely. That was really cute stuff. And I think it's fun talking about um, one of the little Easter eggs was talking about boomerang arrows. Yeah. And he he's like, boomerang arrows are the stupidest thing ever. When in so many adventure comics, he loves boomerang arrows. Yeah. 
because they solved the the ammunition problem when you're writing fighting scenes in comic books. You're like, oh, those were boomerang arrows. He he retrieved them when they returned. Yeah. Yeah. And so I she mean, goes on and on about how they're smart, and he's like, no, no, they're dumb. You would have to dodge them when they came flying back at you. But it, but that's what they constantly are doing. Like um, the old weary, like um, and like and and kind of very stable tactics and experience of Hawkeye versus new ideas that don't always work, but some of them are like really fantastic. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and it just it just makes for a great mix up between the two in contrast. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah, I think we used this episode to watch their relationship grow. And then um of course the whole thing gets divulged to Kate's parents or her mom and her stepdad. And so all four of them sit down and have a conversation about superhero shit yeah and you could tell she don't want an avenger in her house oh yeah she's up to some shady shit and she don't need the avengers poking around oh yeah she's super shady man yeah i'm i'm wondering who actually was wearing the 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 suit because i don't think it was hawkeye Mm. i don't think it was hawkeye right now they're already showing that it could be three possible people that could have been in that in that suit to to kill uh echo's father and i just i don't think it was um clint i like the idea that it's the mom i hope it's the mom i hope so i hope it's vera farminga i think that's the best one i think it's the best choice that'd be the biggest surprise like in you know out of out of all of it you know because it would make perfect sense that if you have a guy like hawkeye running around murdering mobsters if you are a mobster you could knock off quite a few rivals without ever getting detected. You just have to dress up like this dude and no one will ever think that you had anything to do with it. You just tell them, yo, I'm scared too. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think somebody used that. It's a great story point. I hope they go with it. Um, Although if they don't, they don't. If it's Hawkeye, it's Hawkeye. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, because there's there's no going, there would be no going back for Echo. Like she would have to kill Hawkeye, you know? Uh, Maybe again, I was talking before about stories of forgiveness. I don't think she'd have to kill him. Um, But we don't have enough episodes for us to, for us to forgive Hawkeye. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it makes the most sense that it was somebody in the Kingpin's own circle because he's working for the Kingpin. So if she finds out, it was somebody else in the Ronin suit knocking him off for whatever reason. That makes uh, that gives a that gives a reason for her to become a superhero yes. uh, after being a supervillain. Yes. So now she's like, oh shit! This organized crime ring that I gave my life to is actually what murdered my dad. Now I'm exactly. taking Kingpin down. No, exactly, and it, it also enables her to ingratiate herself into Daredevil's cabal. Yeah, it's the cleanest path to that end. I think you're right. I think you're. I think that's this. That is the absolute cleanest path to what we to where we know this franchise is kind of going. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, how you that, get there. That, I that, like that, it. That being said, like we get like a some really great intrigue as uh, uh, as uh, Kate Kate uh, heads over into Echo's apartment, and we have that flashing light. You know, mm-hmm. like oh my god, what's that going to do? You know. Uh, and then we we get like um i got confused at first because i'm not really quite sure what echo's powers are because i never read the the comic arc um so when when uh when uh clint gets attacked and she's and she's fighting echo it's like can echo like make a double of herself (laughs) it's like that's what i thought because like when he said well who am i fighting because like i thought he was looking at with a name like echo it makes sense that that might be something that there could be two of them yeah so but no but no yeah but we hear clint over the phone at first so i'm thinking like yeah yeah we see is like she he could see echo's face but then we cut to um to, to the fight and we see that it's somebody that has like sort of black ops feel to it and then you immediately we all know that well, yeah, because they sort of let leak who was showing up in this series and after yeah. the end of uh, Black Widow. Yeah, uh, we, we immediately know that it's Florence Pew, 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 Pew. <laughs> pew, 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 Pew. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's great because, um, 
you know, she, she has she she has a, a very comics accurate uh, uh, costume on, and um, yeah. a thing that I didn't notice before is that like her mask has the look of like a spider. So it it, it um the spider eyes, you know, mm-hmm. same, same way like a Black Widow has the red mark. They're continuing the Spider-Man. It's a great detail. It's a great little detail. Yeah. Oh, and they call the detail. weapon that she uses the widow's sting in the mm-hmm. comics. So mm-hmm. like she's usually a sniper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think it's a it was a great escalation of tension for Clint to simultaneously find a list in Echo's apartment with his family's name and ages and info about them. And then to be attacked by a black widow. Because mm-hmm. By this point, it would seem he doesn't know who Natasha Romanoff's younger sister was. Mm-hmm. He he might know that she had one and she could tell him all about it, but he's never met her. He doesn't know her. And so he might just think, shit, somebody hired a black widow to come fucking kill me. Um, not knowing that she's doing it because she's been told that he caused Natasha's death. So, but she's a spy. And so I think that it makes sense that she wasn't trying to kill anybody. I think she definitely wanted to kick Hawkeye's ass, but I think she wants answers. So I didn't really like a lot of it. Last time we were talking, you said a lot of the combat is very non-lethal and very visually deliberately non-lethal. And in this instance, I could see both of them being non-lethal because everybody in this situation wants fucking answers. And while you also are pissed off and want to beat people up, if you kill them, you're not getting the answers you want. So I think that the choreography felt a little stilted at times, but I I think I can no prize it. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't know. I I feel like the fighting has been getting better from episode to episode. I mean, you That's got true too. You, when you look at um, uh, Yelena Belova's like fighting style, is so different from anything that's been in this series. Like, she definitely has her own Black Widow style of fighting, mm-hmm. you know. And um, yes, yeah, I, I think it's. I just think it's getting better and better. Um, uh, um, the the other thing I wanted to mention though is that we're getting even more intrigue with uh, 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 Clint's wife. You know, because like this is the first time she's been letting on that she's not just some mother. She's like she spoke like two languages and is able to like track things down faster than Kate can, who has like a crazy security company. So like, you know, they might be setting up Mockingbird. That would be interesting. I guess they had a relationship in the comics, right? We had a a character named Mockingbird. Oh, I didn't recall that, but there you go. So then that would make perfect sense because right now we we get a heavy dose of her as the the guy in the chair, the girl in the chair. Mm-hmm. She's his tech and his backup and his info. And yeah, she's definitely good at stuff that we wouldn't have. We, we were always just presented with her as a housewife, but yes, yes. she probably worked at S.H.I.E.L.D. That's probably that's probably where they met. Yeah. Um, so the other where thing- else is he going to meet someone? Oh, well, yeah. And then, then the other thing is, you know, like the family being in hiding and stuff, and and then um, also like there's this whole thing about the watch, the watch, the watch, which I was pretty sure was to- uh, Tony Stark's watch. Yeah, it's been the MacGuffin the whole series. Yeah, but um, I was I've been looking at some stuff online, and and they were um, they were kind of pointing that watch being uh, his wife's watch as well, so. Um, well, we'll we'll see. We only have two episodes left. It's crazy. I was hoping that this one would be like eight episodes because it doesn't seem like it's terribly expensive to shoot. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I guess not. I guess it doesn't cost too much. I mean, you're paying a lot for the the actors in it. I'm sure Jeremy Renner and yeah. Vera Farmiga are coming cheap. Yeah. Um, but no, six episodes. I think would be all right. Also, I think when you theme something to a holiday, that that aspect of it can get a little bit tired if you run too many episodes on it. So I think, I think if they wrap up the story in a nice, neat, concise, satisfying way, I think six episodes is cool. Cause we, you know me, I hate the two hour movie. I hate the two and a half hour. I'm sorry. The two and a half hour movie. I like concise, tight writing that gets me to where I want to be. Tells me a good story, but doesn't take up my whole fucking life to get through it. So I like the six episodes. I'm here for it. You think they have the guts to kill Clint? 
Um, I think that if, I think that if he's the Ronin that killed Echo's father, he dies. If anyone else is the Ronin who killed her father, he lives. So yes, I, but I think he he could he could die whether he was that Ronin or not because they just would have nah, thought, thought but, he was the Ronin. That that, I don't, that would be the heartbreaking thing about it. What I'm saying is, I think that there's a strong enough that Marvel would write uh, a a strong enough uh, plot based reason. You know, there's the the atonement for what he's done and the ending of his quote unquote you know suffering. But he's got a family, and so I think it's going to take a lot to kill him uh, for for the writers to actively kill him, knowing that he has a family. But if they set up his wife as being super badass, I mean, they're gonna keep they're gonna keep Jeremy Renner around. No, I don't think they keep him around. I think I mean, maybe this is one of the few characters that gets a retirement. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of happy endings to go around in the Marvel universe. Not very many at all. And if you're gonna give somebody, maybe the most unlikely person to get a happy ending, to be able to get out of this. Kate Bishop is the new Hawkeye. She well, adopts yeah. the name, the title, of course. But then he gets to retire in Missouri with his family or wherever the fuck they are. Um, I think that'd man. be nice. I don't know. You need you need a big push. Like that, a death would be the push. You know, and for, for, for several different story markers. You know, like for 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 Yelena to feel guilt when she realized she was she was wrong, and to plant that um, like to plant her resolve to be more of an antihero, um, as she grows more more into the Dark Avengers, like and then like also, you know, for like you know like here's another Avenger that's gone, you know where where are we when all this crazy stuff is happening, you know, and then and then for um you know, uh. Arc, arc for this arcs for several characters, especially uh, Kate. You know, like her her mentor is gone, and she has to take, she, mm. and she has to take on the the mantle. Like, I mean, and then it's just like, like keeping two Hawkeyes around. Like, and when when Jeremy Renner's been around, like, I mean, isn't his contract up? Like, you know, <laughs> well, you don't have two Hawkeyes around. He's retired. He's gone, and she can like call into him and you can pay him cameo money to like give advice over the phone. And then she goes back to her adventure, but I don't need, I don't need Jeremy Renner to be uncle Ben. I just don't, I just don't think that I don't think that Kate Bishop needs an uncle Ben. I don't think she needs a traumatic death to propel her into a life of superhero dumb. I think, I think her mom will provide that. I think a better thing is her mom dies and now she inherits all this money and decides that's what propels her into superhero okay. dumb is to use this bad money for good. And Hawkeye gets a proper retirement. Then the only thing that happens is that Hawkeye gets his wings clipped. He, like he's not able to do archery anymore or so, so, something like that. Like there needs to be some big loss. He sustains a massive injury. I yeah. see. I don't mind that either. I bet, I bet, you know, you could end this series with uh, Hawkeye's, you know, draw hand in traction and him sitting with his family smiling, happy about it. Yeah. You know, that he can't be a weapon anymore. He's not that. He cannot yeah. be that. And being, quite frankly, happy about it. Yeah. So that would be awesome. I don't know. I'm excited <laughs> to see That would be it. awesome. He can't do Put him in traction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He gets an injury so bad that he simply cannot be Hawkeye anymore. Yeah. Because I don't think he wants to. And I think that, but he always feels the responsibility. And if fate could take that weight off of his shoulders, I'm sure he would happily accept it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. There I you like go. it. Well, shit, if people want to come take a little weight off your shoulders <laughs> or pat you on the back, that's a terrible lead-in. Where are they going to find you? <laughs> you can find me at www.arthurrubio.live. Uh, also, all the Instagrams. Draw really awesome. Wow, with all underscores. Uh, Tales to Admonish, our, our Instagram page. You can visit that. And also, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to either our YouTube channel or get it, getting uh, making us a favorite off of uh, Spotify or um, Stitcher, you'll go and do that. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, that's about pretty much where you can find me.
Oh, I thought you were going to ask me. I thought you were going to give me my lead in, but that's fine. I'll do it myself. Hey, you can find me on Instagram at thomas.olton. And of course, do look at our Instagram, like Arthur said. And if you like, give us a rate and review on your podcasting app of choice. That will help with our visibility and help other people find us. So until next time, though, you can find us here on... Tales to admonish, and to all a good night. (laughs) Yeah, we'll use the second take. (laughs) (laughs) It's called editing. Look it up.